Welcome to Harvest Australia Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. I am going to share today, I'm going to try and share today on what I've called the mystical transference of God. Does that sound interesting? Well, if you remember nothing else today, remember that. The mystical transference of God. You know, it happens during worship, doesn't it? There's a mystical thing that happens during worship. Uh, You might be singing in your car, just singing to a secular song and you'll get into it. But then when you put on worship, there's a mystical transference of God. He does something. His presence does something. Or maybe He lifts you into a place that you couldn't normally be. That's the mystical transference of God. So I want to try and explore that a little bit today as easily as I can. And I'm going to start by explaining that We all know that in the beginning, God created us to be perfect human beings. He created us to be in union with Him. In union, not separated from Him, but with Him, connected to Him, speaking with Him, walking and talking with Him, just like Adam did in the garden, walked and talked with God. Can you imagine that? Walking and talking with God. That's how it's meant to be. That's his original design for you and for me is that kind of union with him. So some of those questions that you never get answers for, wouldn't it be great just to be able to tap into some of that, that ultimate union with the Lord so he can just whisper truth to you. He can speak to you and tell you that's his heart. That's his heartbeat. Do you know what? That hasn't changed. It actually hasn't changed. But then comes in this virus into the human race This virus called sin. And sin separates us from God. John Calvin, the great reformer and theologian, called it total depravity. As in the corruption of mankind. Total depravity. As in mankind, humans, because of sin, this virus that entered the world through Satan has come and brought corruption to the human race. And therefore, we're totally depraved. Without the grace of God, without the almighty hand of God coming and stretching into your life and my life and lifting us out of that, saving us from that virus and the corruption of sin, we actually are depraved. We're destined to follow sin. The human heart has been stained. And this is something that some people struggle with because they're like, well, why would a loving father do that? Well, it wasn't the loving father. It was Satan. It was deception, the deceiver, the evil one who came and corrupted mankind. But God, through His grace, still wants to have you and me in union with Him. I want us just to read from Psalm 51.5. I've put some verses up here because I've got a few I want to refer to today. And it's probably too many to look up. So Psalm 51.5 says, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. This is proof that unfortunately because of the corruption of sin, this disease or virus, every single one of us was born into sin. And whether we first had our first sin in nappies or just after that, I don't know. That's a question for the Lord. 
Or maybe some great theologian has a better answer than that. But I know that I was born into a fallen world. And when I was born into a fallen world, that virus somehow, unfortunately, gets hold of us and we become sinners, but for the hand of God. John 3.19 says, And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Even if we are very, very good people and we might give millions to charity, we might spend our lives being very compassionate people. If not for Jesus Christ, a lot of that is in vain. It's still good works. It still blesses people. And so it still has a natural effect, but it doesn't have an eternal effect. And what we're on about in the kingdom is having an eternal effect, isn't it? We want more than just our natural lives. So maybe some donations or some good handouts or some, you know, good gestures. They're good. But ultimately, we want to have an eternal effect. But to have an eternal effect, we need an antidote to this virus which corrupts mankind and brings about a disease called sin. And it separates us from God. And the only way we get this antidote and immunity is through Jesus Christ. And this is the beginning of that mystical transference of God, where God, through His grace and His love for you and me, reaches out and puts a little bit of His heartbeat on the human race through Jesus Christ. And through that one act, in this mystical transaction that happens, that even when we try to explain it, it still sounds too good to be true, something happens to the human heart. Healing begins to flow. Life begins to flow. An understanding of eternity begins to flow. And this message is needed more now than ever before. If you watch five minutes of the news or if you look at anything that's going on around you, you'll know that the gospel is more needed now than ever, isn't it? We just, you know, there's just so much stuff going on. There's so much confusion. You don't, sometimes you don't know what to believe or what not to believe. So that's when we, we go back to the simplicity of the gospel, isn't it? And we have a look at it and we say, well, the human race is pretty depraved. It's pretty depraved, you know. It's, it's even if you got 10 of the most perfect people you could find and stuffed them on a beautiful, perfect island in Fiji, you can be assured they're going to start sinning pretty quickly because the human nature has corruption. It has a virus inside of it that is destined to come out unless it's atoned for, unless it's washed and cut away. And the only way that happens is through Jesus Christ. They could be, those 10 people could be very nice to each other. They could be donating things to each other. They could be helping light fires. And, and if you ever watch Survivor, they probably won't be because it doesn't take long for people on Survivor. They're backbiting each other and they're, you know, oh, that, I thought that person was good, but they're actually a snake. And, you know, you, anyway, obviously none of you watch Survivor, but, you know, it's up to like, you know, season 20,000 or something like that. So I'm sure you've seen a bit. But, uh, but the human heart is corrupt. And unless we have someone or something that can come and wash us from the corruption, the depravity of our own hearts, then we're destined to death. 
And we're destined to a very short life just here on earth. And we can do as much as we can. We can extend our lives. We can get Botox. We can exercise. We can do all sorts of things. I know none of you have got Botox, but, you know, it's kind of out there. But, or maybe some have. Good on you. Bless your lips. You know, it's awesome. Anything's good. I better move on to my second point. Here's, here's the good news. The good news is that do you, you ever go to your, um, your bank statement and you look on your bank statement, maybe for your, well, it's probably not so much your credit card, but maybe just your actual bank statement and, and you've got money in there. You've got money in there. And so the credit column actually is looking good. There's deposits in your credit column and clearly you can see, I've got credit in my account. And sure, you can see some debits and you probably look at some and go, oh, I shouldn't have done that one, shouldn't have done that one, and that transaction, and, uh, and you have some regrets. But when the credit column is full or when the credit column is bigger than the debit column, you're having a good day. The Bible calls this imputed righteousness. When you've been credited with something that you don't deserve, because Jesus Christ came and He credited you and me and the whole human race with a credit in our account that we didn't deserve. It's imputed righteousness. It's been imputed into our lives, given to us freely, openly, without having to pay anything back. It's the credit of the gospel, the credit of Jesus Christ. And Romans 4.24 says this, But also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in Him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. And other versions will say imputed righteousness. His righteousness, His goodness, His cleanliness, His holiness has been credited to your account if you believe in Him. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, this is what's awaiting you. The credit of God. This mystical transference of a piece of God comes down and gets stuffed into your life. It gets put all around you. It's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God because you don't deserve it and neither do I. Because if we were one of those 10 people on the island in Fiji, it probably wouldn't take us long to start thinking some bad thoughts about someone in that group. Even if we never said anything wrong, even our own thoughts corrupt us. Our own thoughts about someone else corrupt us. It's like, oh, that person is just peeing me off and I don't even know why. That's the beginnings of sin. It's the beginnings of sin in our mind. Because unfortunately, we have to battle against sin, don't we? We have to battle against this corruption, this virus that tries to take over the human race. Thank God for Jesus, literally. Thank God for Jesus. Because by His death and His life and Him giving of His Spirit to you and I, we are participants in this righteousness. We're participants in the grace of God. God makes somehow a piece of Himself available to you and to me. He credits Himself to us. So in our columns now, in our spiritual bank statements in our life, we actually have Jesus crediting things to us. He credits grace. He credits forgiveness. He credits healing. He credits life, victory, hope, and destiny. All of these things we don't deserve, but He's chosen to give them to us freely because He loves you. 
If you've never heard that message before, He loves you. Maybe the reason you're here today is because someone's brought you or just circumstances have made you arrive here today. Maybe it was our great garden out the front. You were just drawn in. We've had that. Some people have done that before. We have, we have some people. I don't know if it was the garden or what it was, but, but God draws people. And sometimes we forget that the reason we do all this and the reason we speak like this and sing those songs and do everything that we're doing is because He first loved us. He first loved you. And His love draws us in so we respond and then He credits stuff to our account. Not because we necessarily deserve it, but because of His love. It's a mystical transference. It's a transaction that you can't fully explain But the more we get engaged with understanding God, the more we realise the human race is absolutely depraved without the grace of God. It 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 is a sad state of affairs without the hand of God through Jesus Christ coming and saving us, the human race. The next thing I just want to read is, and it's often referred to as the great exchange. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Christ reconciled us to Himself, to God through Himself. And so if we had debts spiritually before, you don't when you know Jesus. If we had spiritual unforgiveness and things, sin and things that were holding us back from the presence of God, once we meet Jesus, once we give our lives to Jesus, He reconciles those things for us. He makes them right if we're truly giving ourselves to Him. If we're saying, Lord, clean me of my sin, get my heart right, get my life right. Sometimes we often um, have this discussion in, in Christianity of, of the finished works of the cross, the finished work of the cross being everything Jesus did on the cross and then that being transferred to us. And when we become born, born again, we believe in the finished work of the cross and the finished work of the cross and the power of that to transform lives. The question a lot of us have and a lot of non-Christians have is, why doesn't that work? Why doesn't that actually transform you into a person who looks like Jesus and sounds like Jesus and walks like Jesus? And I believe this is a very hard question, but it's the, it's the reconciliation of Christ. The reconciliation of Christ, which means it is an ongoing work. Some people may become perfect the moment they get born again. I've never met them. I've never heard of them, but it's possible. John Wesley started out his ministry preaching the finished works of of the cross and preaching on perfectionism. And he ended his ministry not preaching so strong on that anymore. I wonder why, because he met people in between. It's one of those things that we can often tout But sometimes we have to walk a little bit in some boots and journey a bit and find out where's God in that. I believe this reconciliation is a key part of that. Reconciliation, because God is reconciling us to to Him through Jesus Christ. He's drawing us in. And the mystical transference of God is a daily 
step. It's a daily process. It's a weekly thing. It's a monthly thing. It, sometimes we get downloads and other times, you know, the, the thing's just jammed up and we can't hear anything and we don't feel very spiritual. And we persist through that because we know that the mystical transference of God sometimes sneaks up on us when we're not even praying. When we're not even looking for Him, He'll do something good for us. He'll speak to us. I've said this before. I'm quite open about it. He often speaks to me in the urinal here at the church. I don't know why, but it's a holy place for me. And so if you ever need to hear from the Lord, men, men, men only, binary, two genders only, then you're allowed to go in there and let God speak to you. And I'm sure for ladies, there's another place. But for me, it's just one of those funny things, you know. It's just one of those, I'll get off this topic just so that, you know, it doesn't become too awkward. But go for a walk, go for a run, you know, go with Ryan every Saturday morning. You know, he's the champion runner on, on the, the run every Saturday. He wins it every Saturday down there at the park run, Christie's Beach. And um, only sometimes, he says, just, just, just most of the time. <laughs> but however we hear God, go and hear him. He wants to speak to us. He wants to reconcile your problems to His goodness. He wants to reconcile your debts to His forgiveness. He wants to reconcile my issues with His goodness. And He wants to reconcile them and bring them into a balanced place of goodness. Lastly, and this is the good news, is it's not just a message that ends at all of those, the big words and big ideologies and and that, and that God saved us and has left us here to do our best while we can. And so we're fighting this thing and we're trying to ward off demons and ward off any sin and trying to keep ourselves in this little box and work ourselves up into a spiritual frenzy so that we can be a perfect person. No, when Jesus ascended, He left us another piece of God who is God and His name is Holy Spirit. He didn't leave us alone. He didn't just leave us with a nice set of stories in the gospel. didn't just leave it at the gospels and say, oh, well, I came to earth and did all these wonderful things, but you can't do any of those things. I came to earth and preached that you'll be able to heal the sick and raise the dead, but you won't be able to do any of those things. This is what cessationists believe, that all the good stuff was in the gospels and the book of Acts, but we can't get any of that stuff. But it's not true. We're actually called and commanded to go and do the works of Jesus and greater than that. We're actually called, and, and Paul, the apostle, really spells it out so well in his letters that actually this is the life of Christ. This is living in the Spirit, is to actually hear from God and prophesy and do the works of Jesus. He hasn't left us alone. He's left us an indwelling peace of God, Holy Spirit, who dwells in us, sometimes comes on us in power, and that's what we often call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Comes on us. The Holy Spirit is in us at salvation, but He comes on us like a dove, like Jesus in the Jordan. The dove ascended. And we have that same opportunity to live a life indwelt with the Spirit of God. So not only do we have the gospel, the greatest message on earth, in the universe, but also we have the opportunity to participate in this message so that we now become reconcilers, little reconcilers 
That's what that passage is saying in 2 Corinthians. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's actually given us a calling. He's given us a destiny in the kingdom of God here on earth to reconcile people to God through Jesus Christ. That's our calling. That's our ministry, isn't it? That's what we're to do. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we don't even know the right words to say or what even we should be doing. But just being in a posture of that is sometimes where God wants us. Being in a, in a focus where we're at least open to what God might want to do. Acts chapter 1 verse 5 says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Obviously prophesying about the day of Pentecost. And then in verse 8 it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I've often read this verse and even struggled a little bit with this verse. Because when I was getting a bit on fire for God, I would ask God, and I, and I was reading books on, you know, every bit of anointing I could possibly read, miraculous books and signs and wonders and the supernatural and healing. And, and so it seems so easy when I read this that power would come on you when you receive the Holy Spirit. And yet I didn't feel any power. I didn't feel any power. I didn't, I didn't know anyone else necessarily walking around doing this except you know, some mighty men of God, men and women who travel the world and do certain things. But this is actually a, a command or a declaration over every believer that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, it doesn't say you have to feel it in a dramatic way. See, I had all these preconceived ideas because, you know, a strong part of our upbringing and roots was through the Toronto outpouring. And so we had a mindset of what power looked like. But a hundred years before, power looked a little bit differently at Azusa Street. And a hundred years before that, it looked a bit different at the awakenings. And, and so power has looked different in different times. But the one thing we want to make sure is that it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filling us with power. Sometimes it'll be for words. Sometimes it will be for miracles. Other times it will be for doing great exploits in business or in the realm of life. But this seems pretty clear to me that the one thing that we will have is His anointing. His anointing. His anointing. And that word anointing almost means rubbed in. Rubbed in. And so when the Spirit of God and His power and presence are rubbed into us, we are anointed, we are saturated with the power and presence of God, whether we feel it or not. Sometimes we, we look for a certain experience to validate what the Bible says. There was numerous times in the book of Acts where people received an infilling of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just once, numerous times. Have a look at it. And you'll see that in that posture, we don't know whether there was a dramatic you know, demonstration every time. One thing we do know is they were hungry for the presence of God. They were hungry for the Spirit of God. That indwelling, the mystical transference of God from Him to us so that we can be reconcilers of men and women and people around us to God through Jesus Christ. It's a simple version of the gospel. And so this morning, I want to just leave with us a, a challenge, a challenge to remember that 
all the works and everything Jesus did when he came and everything that he's done for us is for now. It's for right now, for today, for this week and this month in your life and my life. That's why he came. That's why he's given you all the experiences that he's given you throughout life is so that you can become a minister of reconciliation of people to God through Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We receive power and anointing from the indwelling Holy Spirit so that we can actually evidence and demonstrate, as Paul says, I don't come with eloquent and fancy words because he knew that eloquent and fancy words will suit a very small portion of people, but a demonstration of power is absolutely, well, everyone's going to see it. Let's just put it that way. Everyone's going to see it. A demonstration of power. Some will still question it. Some will still wonder, well, how did you get that power? Where did that power come from? But they're going to know you've got power. You've got anointing. You've got authority. And this is what the kingdom of God, I believe, that a release of this is imploring us in this day and age is to be people who know God. We know the gospel. We know the Holy Spirit so that we can be reconcilers of man to God through Jesus Christ, through the indwelling Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit. If we stop short at, if we stop short at not doing it in the power of the Spirit, we'll generally revert back to in the power of my head, in the power of my brain. I'm going to convince you. And sometimes it works, but not very often. But when we do it with the power of the Spirit, not with eloquent words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, something happens. Something happens. It's like worship. You can't necessarily articulate exactly why Christians sing these songs and something happens. It's the mystical transference of God's goodness to His human race that He loves and He wants to pour out His Spirit. He wants to do good things in your life. If someone's told you in your life that you're not going to be any good or you don't do this, you can't do this, or maybe you've thought that about yourself, I want to tell you today with the authority of the Spirit of Reconciliation that God has incredible things for you to do. He has great things for you to do. Don't listen to rejection. Don't listen to negativity. Don't listen to anything contrary to the Word of God over your life. Because God has called you. He's anointed you. He wants to fill you with authority and power so that you can be not only a minister of reconciliation, but one who scatters seed all over the place. All over the place.